On this episode of Locked On Lightning, the Lightning are back to 500. Time to celebrate the little victories and the big ones. All that more. But first, let's play that music. You're Locked On Lightning, your daily podcast on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Lightning, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Danker. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you for making us your first watch today. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel as well as follow us on any audio platform, wherever this podcast is distributed in audio form. We are there. And go ahead to subscribe. Hit that notification button as well. So you are notified as soon as the newest episode drops. On this episode, we are celebrating... The big victories and the little victories. The Lightning, like I said, are back to the 500 mark. Uh, still very much a little bit behind in the division. Still very early in the season. Uh, Lightning pick up a big win on Friday uh, against their rivals in overtime. Florida Panthers winning that game 3-2. to two, And then jumping right back into it the next night at home against, I, I guess... Should we call them playoff rivals? Because these teams have played each other numerous times in the last couple of years. I guess they're they're playoff rivals. The New York Islanders uh, haven't seen this team since the last game of the season. Last time these two teams played, it was a win, a come-from-behind win on the island for the Lightning. Steven Stamkos had hat-trick in that game. And a little bit of different story in that game. Braden Point finally got his first goals. Uh, well, not his first goals this season, but still, I think uh, it almost seemed as though he's been kind of quiet, but we'll get up to that in just a bit. So, yeah, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Let's talk about the Florida game. So, Lightning had seven power plays in this game. Uh, and, and, you know, if you're a listener of this show, dating, well, well let, yeah, let's let's talk the power plays real quick because I still am shocked about this. The, the, the Lightning had... Seven power plays to deal with in this game. It, it almost seems, though, if you've been listening to the show or now watching this show on YouTube for quite some time, it seems as though the Lightning never get the calls. They never get the calls. And, you know, there were some instances in this game where I felt like maybe the Lightning... It, it was a borderline... There were some calls in this game that, that went the Lightning's way. And, and I feel like that's the case with with hockey in general. And, and that's why it's so frustrating when you see the refs call something the other way and they call, they call this the other way, depending on the, the game and the situation and, and all that. And, and we see this obviously in, in more so in football in the NFL, but it, a lot of times the lightning get these calls against them. And in this game, uh, we saw uh, a, the, not so much the case, uh, for them, but you know what? The Lightning didn't really take advantage of this. I still think are very much um, lacking in the power play production. I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and complain about their lack of production. Two for seven on the power play in this game, um, especially when they win. You know, yes, ideally, when you have seven power plays with a team that's good. And we've spoken about this on the Lightning. Yeah, a little bit. 
not exactly your your grandfather's lightning, or in this case, I guess maybe if you're a little late to the game, your best friend's lightning. Um, but the thing that really and and this does correlate, and and I will, I think on tomorrow's episode we'll talk more about this. But if you look at the Florida game and then moving on to the Islander game, the one thing that is consistent, and I believe it was also in the the Blue Jackets game, if I'm not, no, they weren't. It wasn't the Blue Jackets game. So really, this this is the two, really the sample points, if I if I'm correct, that that shows the the common variable in these games is which led to the Lightning uh, winning these two games, regardless of you know how close it was or at times how how far apart these two teams were in score. And really, what it comes down to is the faceoff percentage. I've spoken about it on this show numerous times. I'm willing to look past the shots on goal. I mean, the Lightning, I think, are on any given night good for about 30 shots on net. I think we could agree, you know, depending on really who they're playing. But in the most part, the Lightning, uh, even on a bad night or a slow night, are pretty good for about 27, 30 shots on net. I think that's a good number for them. Um, I think that's pretty much where they average at anyway in that range. Uh, the hits might differ a little bit. I think the Lightning are, for the most part, always um, the more physical team. Uh, the blocks, they always do really a fantastic job on. But the number that always sticks out in wins and losses, and not just this season, but really since we've been doing this show, has been the faceoff percentage. And the Lightning really recently have been lacking in that number. And a large part of that has to do with the fact that Anthony Sorelli uh, has not been able to skate this year, still, you know, waiting for him to come back from injury and surgery. So, you know, maybe once he is back on the ice and and, and able to skate and, and able to be more effective, uh, we will see that number kind of get a little bit more of a bump. Uh, but, you know, the Lightning, really, I think when they – have those two numbers up when they have the blocking numbers, when they have the face-off percentage uh, numbers up. And, and about and I think the 50 mark is probably, you know, I'm not expecting the Lightning to go out there and win 60% percent on, on the face-off circle. That number is pretty, you know, 57 was the number, uh, was the percentage that they had the other night against the Islanders. And even that is an impressive number, I think, on any given night for any NHL team. So the fact that they were able to do it uh, against a team who the Islanders, you know, they're what they may lack. And this is just me. Some other hockey fans might think it's a little bit um, might think I'm a little overreaching here, maybe giving this team a little bit too much credit. But I, I believe, you know, what the the Islanders, and they're always, I feel, a good measuring stick. A team like the Islanders, a team like the Stars, two teams that Lightning fans, who, if you've been following this team since the COVID bubble, you should be familiar with. Because uh, given, you know, the Lightning played Dallas uh, in, in the Stanley Cup uh, final in the bubble, and then subsequently was in the same division with them the following year in the shortened season. But what I'm trying to say is that these games, and and I think I may have alluded to it in the last episode, um, may have not, but or the episodes prior, but whenever the Lightning are struggling, I always think, and, and I may have said this quite a bit last year because it is true, whenever 
the Lightning are struggling. It's always good win or lose to see them play against a team like this, like the Islanders, like a Dallas Stars, even a Montreal Canadiens, at times even an Ottawa Senators or Detroit Red Wings. Um, These are the kind of teams that I like the Lightning, regardless of if they're playing their best hockey at any point in time or really not doing it well or not playing well is what we have saw leading up to the Florida game. I think that these games are just as important as the game that the Lightning had Friday night. I, I said going into that game that that was one of the biggest games of the year. It was definitely a must win given where the Lightning were at that point in time in the season. Yes, still with the asterisk saying still very early in the season, but following up that win in overtime, I think going up against the Islanders the next night, that forces Tampa to not only continue their momentum, because we we have spoken about it on this show numerous times, that the Lightning, following a big win such as the one that they had in overtime against Florida, sometimes lay an egg the next night. And it a lot of times it has to do with not being disciplined, uh, not playing or or putting an emphasis on certain aspects of the game, such as the face-offs. And when you play a team like a New York Islanders, who, like I started to talk about, not on necessarily on the same level as Tampa, but will force you almost into a, all right, we have to play a 200-foot game. And, and we have heard this speech numerous times from players and coaches throughout the NHL, not just from Tampa. We have to play a 200-foot game. But those are the games against the New York Islanders, like teams that the Lightning will be coming up against on the West Coast next week, which we'll, we'll, we will be talking about. Lightning played a very disciplined game. And that starts from the faceoff circle. So we'll be talking about their upcoming road trip. The Lightning go to the West Coast, which is always a daunting task for an Eastern Conference team. We'll talk about that early in the season, mind you. All of that, how the Lightning, what 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 they have to do with on this on this on this uh, road trip, this early road trip to end the month of October. We'll talk about that. But first, I want to talk about our friends at Simply Safe. Now, the numbers don't lie, people. They don't lie in hockey. They don't lie in sports. And they simply don't lie with our friends at Simply Safe. Over the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe in my own home. They protect you with cutting edge security technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents. You always have your, who always have your back. Here's why I love it. They share, you know, they they have 24-7 professional monitoring. I mean, whenever I need them, whenever I have an issue, all I got to do is pick up the phone, bang, they're right there. Simply, Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home. You know, you go out, you have a great day, you forget to lock the door, bam, someone walks in and is stealing your stuff. Guess what? Simply Safe is there to have your back. 
And they do this all even if you can't be re. Simply Safe blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door, HD security cameras for inside and outside your home, smarter ways to detect your motion that only alert you when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that, that instantly detect fires, floods, and other threats at your home. So customize your perfect system in your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL save 20% on your simply safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and your first month free visit simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL learn more because there is no safe like simply safe so getting back to the action once again we want to remind you to make a for and thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit us up on our on our social media channels as well. If you're watching us on YouTube, the social media uh, handles are down below. If you're listening to us on an audio platform, we are at LO underscore lightning on Twitter as well as locked on underscore lightning on Instagram. Give me a follow on my Twitter page at Danky Dank, D-E-N-K-Y-D-8-N-K. Love hearing from all of you. Love hearing all the comments, questions. Some of you slide in my DMs. Concerns about this Lightning team. You know, is there, is it too early in the season to worry about them? Is it, you know, should we be worrying about certain players? Um, And like I said last week, I thought that this Florida Panthers game was the biggest game of the year thus far. The, the, First, really must-win game that we've had all year. Uh, a 3-2 win in overtime, and then a 5-3 win the next night at home against the New York Islanders, putting the Lightning back up to, to, to 500. And just in time, as they will go to the West Coast. Now I'm recording this Monday night. They will be going, they'll be playing on the West Coast tomorrow night. 10.30 start, so get your cup of coffee Thank goodness the two, there's only two West Coast games uh, this week. And then we got ourselves a 4.30 start on Saturday in San Jose. So thankfully, uh, we are not having another late one. And then the Lightning get a couple of days off and we'll be back at home next Tuesday, 7 o'clock start against the Ottawa Senators. We're not talking about that just yet because I somewhat enjoy – the West Coast games, not because of the times, not personally because of the times, because I'm staying up and having to get up early the next day, uh, where sometimes these games end at one o'clock, uh, which maybe I'm being a little selfish here. I would wish the NHL, especially when there's East Coast teams uh, on the West Coast, that maybe, you know, I'm not saying let's have a 1030 start. I, or 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 actually a seven o'clock start because that's my math is terrible. That's four o'clock on the West Coast. Maybe like an eight, maybe an eight or a nine o'clock start. I'm perfectly fine with that. I I think that is reasonable. Not too early for the West Coast. Um, not too late for the East Coast. So you kind of have that big audience there, especially if it's a national game. Um, uh, but got. Teams, which I feel like West Coast teams are just the difficulty playing them are is a little bit more amped up because players are obviously tired. You know, they will get a couple of days to uh, or maybe a couple at least, you know, by the time they, they get to uh, 
to San Jose, they will have a couple of days to acclimate to the West Coast time. But uh, you know what? These guys, they they have their routines to where it really shouldn't be that big of a deal at this point, this point in time. So you're looking really, you know, the Lightning are in a good spot right now. And, and really how much you want to read into the, sta- the standings right now for the Pacific Division, because that's who they're playing. They're playing the Kings on Tuesday, Anaheim on Wednesday. And then, like I said, you have the Sharks on Saturday. But Los Angeles and Anaheim, uh, back-to-back games. Now, these teams are combined for nine points. Uh, of course, Los Angeles is in the fourth spot, 3-4-0 and oh, with six points through seven games. That puts them fourth in the Pacific Division behind Seattle. So, like I said, if you – how you want to look at stats right now for these teams is entirely up to you. Uh, my opinion, I think at least Los Angeles and Anaheim are tough teams. You know, a lot of people, uh, you know, when we were, when we do our, our Thursday ranking segment on Locked on NHL, and if you haven't listened to that already, please go ahead and listen. Uh, me and my co-host on the national show, Chris Masilli of Locked on Avalanche, you may be familiar with him. Uh, through our crossovers during the Stanley Cup final last year. Uh, we talk about the rankings. We evaluate all 32 teams as best we can in the span of a 30-minute show. Uh, these are two teams, Los Angeles and Anaheim, who I think have you know the pieces. You know They're not going to be at the top of the division with, with Vegas and Calgary, but they're teams that uh, are tough. They're grinders. They, they both have, in my opinion, still – goaltenders who you know may be at the back end of their careers to some extent and I'm of course talking about Jonathan Quick and John Gibson I still think they're these are guys that are very capable if you don't bring your a game aren't you know if you're not doing the things that we have spoken about on this show quite a bit that the lightning have failed to do in some of their maybe uglier losses these are goaltenders that are very capable of going out there and pitching a shutout and that is something you don't want to do against, you know, I, against these two teams. These are especially teams that I feel like the Lightning are still a lot better than. You know, I think um, if for for our YouTube got our YouTube listener watchers or uh, our YouTube audience, if I had to gauge uh, the the San Jose, uh, excuse me, Anaheim and Los Angeles, uh, I would put them like right here. And then Tampa would be like right here. Now, how does that translate to words for our audio uh, platform listeners? I would say in terms of one to 10, if we're ranking these teams, I would say one out of 10, uh, one being absolutely terrible and 10 being a undefeated team or a president's trophy caliber team. I would say San Jose and Los Angeles right now are about a four, four and a half. Uh, I would view Tampa at about a seven, seven and a half. You know, as much as I've killed these guys throughout the first, I guess, couple of weeks of the season, I still think Tampa, as top heavy as they are, uh, should come out of, you know, I'm not going to say that they're going to sweep their West Coast trip. That'd be fantastic. Uh, I think those games are going to be very relatively close. I don't know about the San Jose game. I mean, a lot of people are, are, don't like San Jose. Uh, They're two, two and six. Uh, right in the same boat, pretty much, uh, you know, statistically better, a point better than Anaheim. So, you know, like I said, where you want to rank this team, these teams thus far throughout the first couple of games of the season, uh, first couple of weeks of the season is entirely up to you. 
I, like I said, I think the Lightning should at least, at least come out of this road trip uh, two and three. Uh, you know, ideally, you want them to come out with a sweep, collect all those points in regulation, come back home and get ready for a, a division matchup against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, but yeah, these these are teams that West West Coast teams are just very. I view those 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 road trips as a measuring stick for your team, you know, especially a, a road trip that could definitely give your team a ton of momentum, uh, especially the Lightning, especially after coming off uh, two very tough games. And yes, even that game against the Islanders, in which they did put up five goals as opposed to the Islanders three, I still think that was very much a tough game. The Lightning really grinded that out. They only had twenty six shots in those game in that game, so really had to do a lot um, physically. To, to take control of those games. Uh, so, yeah, if, if the Lightning could go into the West Coast and, and they could play safe and sound hockey uh, and really stay with the basics, if, if they could take what they did in that Islanders game and bring that with them to the West Coast, if they're edging out 3-2, you know, 4-3 games like that, I'll be fine. You know, especially if they're not getting a ton of shots off, uh, if they're coming out of those games with 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 maybe out of five chances, maybe two power play goals, I'm fine with that. I would like to see a little bit more of a variety in the, the goal scorers on this team, which we did see in the Islander game, which was good to see that. Like I said, we were able to see Braden Point get involved, Brandon Hagel involved, Corey Perry involved, Nick Paul with his first goal of the season. Uh, Alex Kalorn with his first goal this season as well. So you're starting to see a lot of other guys on this team really start to get things going, start to get on the board at least. You know, I look at it, I, I think a player is a lot more, it, and maybe this is just me, yes, you always like to see players accumulate points. And that's phenomenal. I love it. Uh, but when you start to see guys get on the stat sheet in the goal department, I think that really relaxes things around your entire team and makes you overall in in the offensive part of things an effective hockey team in the attacking zone so wrapping things up here on the show i just want to keep talking a little bit about the the goal scoring on this team because it, it is very strange i mean listen i and i spoke about this on the last episode i am all for steven stamkos uh, leading the, the the league in goals right now. He is at seven through six games, and that is phenomenal. I mean, listen, it, we all know he has the potential to be uh, a top five goal scorer when he's healthy, and, and really he has made leaps and bounds, and I cannot stress that enough, leaps and bounds uh, over the past couple of years to stay healthy, get his body right. And it paid off in a 100-point season last year for the first time in his career. And right now, listen, yes, I, I have stated many times throughout this episode that let's not play too much into the stats. But listen, you got to give credit where credit is due. The fact that he is leading the National Hockey League in in goals right now with, with some of the names that are behind him, uh, Artemi Panarin, David Pasternak, Alex Tuck, Connor McDavid, uh, Andrei Svestinikov, uh, you know, the fact that he's doing this at the level he is, you know, at this point in his career and after everything that has come, you kind of have to take a step back and appreciate what he is doing. And not just as a Lightning fan, but as a hockey fan. Uh, so, you know, 
hopefully he could continue that momentum. Didn't get a goal in the last game against the Islanders, but listen, you know, he can't score every night. The guy is human still, um, but still has, you know, still has seven. That's still quite an accomplishment right now. Braden Point, like I said before, starting to starting to see maybe a little bit of uptick. Maybe he could carry some momentum into these West Coast games. Uh, four goals in his last six. That's that's fantastic. And then there's kind of a little bit of a drop off here, which I'm not too worried about right now. Uh, you have Corey Perry with two, and then you have Kalorn, Colton, Paul, and Hagel, as well as Foot. All with a goal. And then some names here, a little bit of a concern thus far. I mean, not really a bit of a concern, but uh, the name that obviously pops out that does not have a goal yet uh, and also a plus minus of minus one is is Nikita Kucherov. Now, we all know it's coming. Not to sound cocky or take it for granted, uh, but we all know the Nikita Kucherov uh goal blitz is is going to come whether it be on this west coast trip or when they come back to Atmelie for a couple of games uh yeah i listen we've we've seen this throughout the playoffs we've spoken about it um and i kind of see this and i was talking to someone about this the other day when they asked me are you concerned at all that nikita kucherov is has not scored a goal but he's tallying up these points he has eight points obviously all are assists and my reaction was not really. I mean, Kucherov does a lot of things for himself. Uh, he creates a lot of space for himself. And, you know, he's been a little bit unlucky uh, with the way the puck has bounced, the you know, way the other team has played him thus far throughout the season. And, you know, even if he's not scoring goals, he's making the opposing goaltenders uh, and defensemen think about it. You see it. And, and, I kind of compare his game or vice versa, really, because he's been in the league a little bit longer. But I compare him to what Artemi Panarin is doing in New York. Uh, call me crazy. Yes, Kucherov obviously has a little bit more of the accolades. But I, if you watch these two guys play, they do a lot of the same things. And obviously, they're, you know, maybe that's the Russian connection. Maybe they were trained a certain way. Uh, but both guys who could create chances for themselves and and – Kind of, you almost see this, and, and I kind of equate it to basketball guys who are just, you know, kind of like um, I always like to equate Nikita Kucherov to Steve Nash uh, in the early 2000s, the way he was kind of just dribbling around defenses, uh, finding opportunities for himself, uh, finding opportunities and, and creating opportunities for his teammates. And so, yeah, even if, you know, Steve Nash, even when he won his two uh, MVPs, uh, even when on nights he wasn't scoring 30, 40 goal, uh, excuse me, 30, 40 points, uh, he was still having 15, sometimes, you know, even more assists in a game. You know, obviously that may not entirely be accurate, but you get what I'm saying. And that's the same thing for Nikita Kucherov is that, yeah, there, he's going to go through his phases where he's not going to score a goal in five games or six games or, you know, maybe score a goal here and then we may not see him score for a couple of weeks. But he's still racking up the points. And as long as he's doing that and he's allowing his teammates to be productive and score goals and get going, I'm willing to be fine with that because we all know if history teaches us anything and you could see it from the shortened seasons that Kucherov has had due to injury is that he's always going to have a period of time where he's going to get going, where he's going to be scoring a fury of goals. And, and really that's what is going to be most valuable down the road because we can't rely on Steven Stamkos or or Braden Point to score every single night. Uh, and, and that's when Kucherov comes in because he's going to be setting up 
the Kalorns, the Perrys possibly on the power play, uh, the Hagels. Uh, and he's also going to be chipping in one or two goals on any given night. And that is what makes him uh, such a great player. And that's why it's so frustrating when you see him kind of play a little bit more with his emotions, get into stupid penalties, put his team, uh, you know, dig his dig a little bit of a hole for his team. So, you know what? I'm not too worried about Nikita Kucherov right now. I think that this West Coast trip is going to be a big uh, road trip for him. I would expect him to net. I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the week, uh, you know, when we're talking on Monday's episode of next week that Kucherov has picked up three, four goals by the end of the week, because these are the games. I, I think that now he's had a couple of, he's had a couple of days to kind of relax, kind of work on some things in practice. And, and I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to, now that he's starting to see some of his teammates start to get going, that's going to relieve maybe some pressure off of him, whether it be self-inflicted or from maybe, I don't know, maybe the conversations that are being had behind closed doors between him and his teammates or or Coach John Cooper. So we'll, I'm super excited for this road trip. I think this is going to be even a bigger test for the Lightning than what we saw these back-to-back games on Mon- on Friday and Saturday. And please go ahead and join us as we continue to talk about those games going forward in the week, as well as throughout the entire season. Because, listen, Lightning got off to a slow start, but I still think, obviously, there's tons of hockey to be played for this team. And I think I would not be not be surprised in a couple of weeks if we are talking about them, you know, seeing a little bit more of the lightning of old, the lightning, the Tampa Bay lightning that we are used to. So that's been it for this episode of Locked On Lightning, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Danker. I'll talk to you in the next one.